0: Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. I want to preach from a subject today stay awake and on fire. Stay awake and on fire. Several times when we read in the Bible, we saw where Jesus asked them to do two things. He said, watch. And he said, pray. In other words, he said, stay awake and on fire. See, you can't stay on fire if you don't have a prayer life. I don't care what you say. You are not going to continue to be on fire all of your little Christian life if you don't have some kind of prayer life. You can come to church. You can give your consecrated tithe of $45.23, and you can do that every Sunday, but you may not have any fire because you don't have a prayer life. It's in your prayer life that God begins to show you you. It's in your prayer life where God begins to show you what decisions to make. It's in your prayer life where God will show your enemies from your friends. Uh, It's in your prayer life where God will show you what path to take and what path not to take? It's in your prayer life Where God will show you who you need to be praying for. It's in your prayer life Where God will tell you what job to take. It's in your prayer life where God will show you what relationship is right and what relationship is wrong. It's in your prayer life where God will show you what churches you should be joining and what churches you should be leaving. Watch and pray. In other words, it's a stay awake and stay on fire. Somebody shall stay awake awake. and on fire. fire. In the book of Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, it's an amazing scripture text because it reads like a newspaper. (laughs) It says this, the prophet was speaking about impending judgment that the people of Israel would imminently face due to their excessive behavior. Catch that. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Let me read it to you. This was 700 years before Jesus ever came on the scene. He said, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. When people see no distinction between what's right and what's wrong, when they see no distinction between what's light and what's darkness, then it is likely those same people don't know the difference between what's bitter and what's sweet. Yeah, yeah. Hello, somebody. Yeah. And worse yet, those same people will tend to make excuses for why they act the way they act. Oh, yeah. You just don't understand why I, I, I'm, I act this way because I'm black. I act this way because I'm Spanish. I act this way because I'm Puerto Rican. No, you act that way because you got a behavior problem. Don't be blaming that on your lineage. You got a problem. Because not all black people, not all Spanish people, not all white people act the same way. You got a problem. And we got to deal with the problem. It is systemic, but it's individual. Some of y'all ain't going to like what I got to preach about today. But while you in here, I'm going to give you some truth. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Write this down. Put it on Facebook. We're going to use the hashtag, stay awake and on fire. You can go ahead and check in on Facebook. In the absence of absolute truth, sin is left unchecked, and the standards of morality are reversed. In the absence of absolute truth, sin is left unchecked, and the standards of morality is reversed. See, now you can't even talk about what's right. Because if you are, then you're not tolerant. You, you, you're, not, you're, so you're supposed to be tolerant of what's going on, and, and you're supposed to affirm me. Uh huh. And see, unfortunately, some people have taken the scriptures, and they've been doing it since Jesus. They, they have taken the scriptures, and they have made it say something that it doesn't really say. Okay, I.e., they say, well, the church. The Bible says that we should come as we are. Well, I got to ask them, show that scripture to me because you're not going to find it. See, what they want you to believe is that the word of God is affirmational. Uh, Okay, let me see if I can explain that. What they want is I want to come to church as I am and you need to affirm the way I live. But the church, this, I don't preach an affirmational gospel. I preach a transformational gospel. Come as you are and allow the Holy Ghost to transform you into who God called you to be. You can't come to the church and remain the same way. I don't care who you are. I don't care what kind of lifestyle you live. You're supposed to change. When the Holy Ghost fills you, he changes you. He rearranges everything in your life. You don't talk the same way, act the same way, live the same way. And if you do, something didn't take. Talk to me, somebody. So many people today are searching for meaning in life from so many different sources. And at the same time, they reject the moral standard of God. So you're trying to find out who you are away from the standard. You're always going to be led in the wrong direction. Okay. All right. Let me, let, me, let me give you another scripture here. I don't have it on the screen, but I'm going to give it to you so you can write it in your notes. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Check this out. It says this. Everything is permissible, but not everything is helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, I might sit on that one for a little bit. And then it goes on to say everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. See, we cannot follow Christ and the crowd at the same time. See, you you need to decide where your loyalties lie. Either you are with Jesus or you're not with Jesus. You can't have this little flippant relationship and say, oh, when I'm in the church, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. But then when you get out into the world, you act like, talk like, speak like people in the world. You have divided loyalties. God said you can't serve God and mammon at the same time. You're going to be disloyal to one and loyal to the other. We have to decide, saints of God, where our loyalties lie. Apostle Paul said it might be permissible, but it may be killing you. Just because the crowd says it's cool, it's right, it's permissible, don't mean that we should blindly follow the crowd. See, there are a lot of cool things going on in the world today. It's even cool now to say that you're gay. Now, y'all know you're in covenant, so. Don't act like it's cool now. It's a fad. That's a cool thing to be. You know, I'm making my own decision now. It's cool. You know, but at the same time, it ain't new. There's nothing new under the sun. So why are we acting like that's something new? It's, it's been around for years. <laughs> Hello, somebody. But listen, it's not cool for the deacon of a church that's married to be dating somebody in the church. That ain't cool. It ain't cool for the pastor to take advantage of somebody in the church just because he's the pastor. That is not cool. It is not cool to lie and cheat and steal. Yeah. That is not cool. It is not cool for a corporation to lie just to, to raise their bank accounts personally. That's right. that, ain't cool. yeah. that ain't cool. It is not cool. Come on, we had in run. It is not cool for the accountants to fudge the numbers so that the company looks more profitable than what the company. That is not cool. So on every level of leadership, from corporate America to the church, some things that may be permissible but may not be good for us. And just because God doesn't speak against something don't mean that God likes it. Well, you can't tell me specifically what the Bible says. I can tell you some specifics about the Bible because I'm in it all the time. And I just don't have that kind of time today because I'm on a different assignment. But there are a lot of specifics in the Bible. So let me, let me just move on here. Write this down. Actions that may not seem wrong doesn't necessarily make them right. 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 Let me say that again. Actions that may not seem wrong. See, our young people need to understand this. Actions that may not seem wrong doesn't necessarily make it right. Because your peers will say, look, we've been doing this all the time. We've been doing this for a long time. Come on. Ain't your parents won't find out about it. Come on, Come on. Everybody in here, you were not born the age you are right now. <laughs> I know that for a fact. Where you are right now, you were not born the age you are right now. We all had to grow up, right? Now, listen, listen everybody had peers, and not all of those peers were good, right? I can tell you right now, I, I grew up in, in a poverty-stricken area in Alabama. Most people would call it a ghetto, but I didn't know it was. And so, so, so there were my friends. A lot of my friends were drug dealers. And so, so listen. They would always say, and I would, man, let me tell you something. Oh, it was number but the grace of God that I didn't sell drugs. Because I would go to school catching a bus or riding my bike, and they would be driving around in BMWs. Yes. And I'm sitting here like, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> and so all the time, hey, John, listen, can you run something up there to the store for me? It would be easy for me to say, yeah, man. He said, listen, I'll break you off a bill if you go do that. Uh, hundred dollar bill. Sorry. Oh, you with me? <laughs> I have to, I'm sorry. Sometimes I get ghetto, and I have to understand everybody in the house ain't ghetto. So, 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 yeah. And I was like, I'm like, man, that's tempting. That's tempting. And you know what I will hear? My mama. Yeah. See, y'all met Missionary Lofton. Missionary Lofton don't play. My mama, my mama was saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. But my mama would knock you out. My mama did not play. I'm telling you. And I will hear my mama's voice. Child, don't you be out there in dim streets. And I'm like, boy, if my mom found out about this, boy, I would be in trouble. And that was, there was just nothing but the grace of God that I didn't do it. Although they make it seem like it's right, my consciousness knew it was wrong. Okay, let me, let me say it like this, saints of God. Let me say it like this. Every sin you did, think about it. Every sin you did, did you not know it was wrong? You didn't, need, you didn't need the church to tell you that. Why? There was something intrinsic in all of us because God created all of us with a moral compass. We know what's right or wrong. You don't have to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, run around the church speaking tongues to understand that something is wrong. Amen. Right? You didn't, I, every sin I did, let me tell you two things about the sin I did. I liked it and I knew it was wrong. Now, some of y'all can sit up in here and act all holy if you want to, but I'm getting all up in your grill right now. There was no sin. Let me ask you something: because if it wasn't fun, why did you keep doing it? I I I just don't don't touch. I just don't like. Okay, come on. So so I just don't like it. Yes, you do. That's why you did it. I'm trying to help the young people in here. Every sin I did, I enjoyed it, but it didn't make it right. Just because you enjoy something don't make it right. Just because you want to act a certain way, don't make it right. Just because you want to live a certain way, don't make it right. If you don't line up with the standards of God, then you don't know what's right or wrong. See, that's why they're trying to blur the lines between truth and the lie. The devil has been doing this since Genesis. He questioned the man and the woman said, did God really say? He's saying the same thing today. Did God really say that's wrong? Did God really say fornication is wrong? Did God really say adultery is wrong? Yes! It was wrong then, and it's wrong now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is not going to change just because the culture does. And if God doesn't change, guess who should be doing the change? Now, you don't have to answer that. That was rhetorical. Bless the name of the Lord. I got a country proverb. Y'all want to hear it? Y'all know I'm country and ghetto. See, I don't know how I got to be country and ghetto. I did not even know you can do such a thing. Well, I'm a hodgepodge of country and ghetto. Y'all just, y'all look at my little suits and stuff. Y'all say, ooh, he's just so educated. No, I'm country as I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just country as country can be. Check out this old country proverb. It is what it is. It ain't what it ain't. Don't make it what it isn't. <laughs> I told you it was a country proverb. You know what it means? It is what it is. It's either right or wrong. It isn't what it isn't. It's either right or wrong. Don't make it what it isn't. You can't make something that it's not. You can't turn a lie into a truth. In other words, hello, somebody. Are you you getting this? I know it's country, but it makes sense when you read it. Some of y'all are going to be saying, son, I told you it is what it is. It ain't what it ain't. Don't make it what it isn't. Mama, where you get that from? I don't know, but boy, it makes sense. <laughs> Amen. Don't, that kind of, now I know when you first read it, you was like, what the what? But now it's beginning to make sense because this is the same issue that Isaiah was, was talking about. He said, woe unto you that call evil good and good evil. It is what it is. It ain't what it ain't. Don't make it what it isn't. You, in other words, God is either sovereign or he's not. The Bible is either obsolete or absolute. You are either a sinner or a saint. <laughs> there ain't no in between. You either save or you're not. Is this making sense now? So y'all gonna be using that now, aren't you? Yeah, I know y'all gonna be using. It. Pastor, that's the dumbest thing I ever said. Watch you be using it next week. <laughs> Let me go a little bit deeper. There is a way which seems right unto a man, but its end is the way of death. See, just because something seems right, appears right, or looks right, doesn't necessarily make it right. See, just because sex outside of marriage seems right, doesn't make it right. God still calls that fornication. Just because it seems right to take something that's not yours, doesn't make it right. We call that robbing and stealing. Uh, just because it seems right that people are born gay or transgender doesn't make it right because we already read, sold you the study from John Hopkins University that said nobody is born gay or transgender. It is a choice. Now, that was done by a liberal university, not by a conservative university. So, so that proves it right there. There is no gay gene, but we knew that. Right or wrong. Hello, somebody. Sometimes just because it seems right uh, for a person of authority, abuse his authority, don't make it so. Just because it seems right for somebody who might have uh, uh, been disrespected to not respect authority, don't make it right. Just because it feels right to sleep with that man's wife or to sleep with that woman's husband, don't make it right. We still call that adultery. It might seem right, but it might not be right. There is a way to seem right unto a man. See, man will always come up with ideas and excuses about what feels right. Well, if it feels right, then I should be able to do it. Let me give you the worldview on that. It's called moral relativism. It means that something can be right for me, but it does not have to be right for you. So in other words, it seems right for me to marry who I want to marry. But just because it seems right, don't make it right. It is what it is. It ain't what it ain't. Don't make it what it isn't. (laughs) The path that seems right may offer many options and require a few sacrifices, but it can cause people to become complacent and lazy because it does not require them to modify or change their behavior. The same mother that would attack a schoolteacher for suspending her son for cussing her out is the same mother, when she gets home, get cussed out by that same son. Right. You only do what you're allowed to do. And when parents stop parenting and start blaming everybody else for their dysfunctional children, You can't raise a child that you don't have any indication of you have behavior issues yourself because you got problems, therefore your children got problems. And what we need to do as parents, we need to put boundaries around our children. Hello, somebody. Our kids ain't that good. You might think they are, but they ain't that good. When they're away from you, they doing stuff. Listen, what did you do when you was away from your parents? Come on, somebody shoot around my parents. Boy, I'm the model child. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. But away from my child, I'm cussing folks out. I'm, I'm, I'm shooting the bird. I'm doing all kinds of stuff that I know I shouldn't be doing. And then when I get in front of my mama, I'm going to lie. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, not my son. My son is the model child. Yes, I am, mama. Yes, I am. I don't know what's wrong with a mama. They're just crazy. They don't like me. Yeah, yeah they don't like me, mama. They say he got a problem. Everybody in school got a problem. So listen, this is what parents will do. They'll take them out of that school, go to another school, everybody at that school got a problem. Yeah. See, that's the same way. See, that's not, that's not just in the child. Check the parent because the parent is probably going from job to job, relationship to relationship, church to church. See, the problem is systemic in the parent. And when the parents don't teach authority and respect and authority at home, then they're going to disrespect authority out in the streets. Mm-hmm. I know it's tight, but it's right. It is right. I, I know what's in those streets, guys. I grew up in the streets. I knew when I was doing wrong. That's why I was nervous of police, because I knew I was always doing something wrong. Hello? Listen, we got to make sure that we understand that there, we know that there's a problem in the world. But my question to you is, what are you going to do about it? Are we just going to sit back and talk about it? Are you going to get on Facebook and rant for three hours knowing you're not saying anything because you, you are part of the problem? Oh, I, I don't see any solutions. Oh, this is the problem. I know what the problem is. But what are we going to do about that problem? Can we get together? Can we talk? Can we have an intellectual conversation without criticizing each other? Because one thing I do know, you can't trust people you don't know. And the only way you're going to get to know them, you're going to have to sit down and talk, not fuss. Amen. That's why we got our community relationship forum next, next Wednesday. And we got political people coming. We got lawyers coming. And we have uh, Union County Sheriff's Department coming. We got the mayor coming. Why? Because we're going to have to sit down and talk. We got a problem. Right? And they need to hear both sides, but they need to hear it in an intellectual way. Yeah. We're not going to fuss Wednesday night. The moment you fuss, you're going to get dismissed up out of here. Because I I am about solutions, not problems. So when new people come up here, you better let them know, my pastor don't play that. So we're not coming in here with some political posturing. There ain't going to be no Black Lives Matter signs up in here. And ain't going to be no ranting in here either. All lives matter to me. And I happen to be a black life. My life matters too. But I also believe that the 3,000 black lives that are being lost in Chicago matter. I also believe that the millions of black babies that are being aborted by Planned Parenthood, that life matters too. So if we're going to talk about it, we're going to talk about the whole conversation. See, that's why the Bible says we should be balanced in the house of God. Unjust weights are an abomination to God. So I don't rant on Facebook about something I'm not changing in the first place. No, if you want to make a change, bring your butt up in here Wednesday night, and let's talk about it. Let's be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Amen. Mm, I knew it was going to get quiet. Because a lot of people, let me tell you, let me, let me just go on up in there. See, a lot of times, people don't even want to solve the problem. They just want to be mad. They just want to break up stuff. Do you realize that 70% of the people that got arrested wasn't even from Charlotte? They came up in here to break up our city. city, my beloved city. Yeah. And what is breaking up stuff going to solve? Yeah. You break up your own community? Come on, black people. Amen. I can talk like this because I'm a black man. No doubt about it. That's why I can stand flat-footed like I am. So a white person say that, boy, y'all be ready to ridicule him. <laughs> I mean, you don't understand what's going on in the community. But I do. Part of the problem, you looking at it. Part of the problem is us. See, when we learn how to police ourselves, yeah. see, y'all don't want to talk about that. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. Let me move on because I know you don't want to have that conversation. You just want to live like hell, and then everybody's supposed to respect you when you're disrespectful to everybody else, but everybody's supposed to respect you, but we ain't going to have that conversation. We're going to move on. Y'all want to get back in the Word because I don't want the anointing to live. <laughs> Elijah spoke with a generation that had been lulled to sleep. The reason they were lulled to sleep is because they were drunk with wine. They were drunk with hatred. They were drunk with racism. They were drunk with criticizing and cynicism. They were drunk with doubt and mistrust, similar to what we live in today. There's a lot of mistrust going on on both sides. You know, it's hard to know what to believe. Who's telling the truth, right? Come on, saints, you've seen the videos. It's like that. What, huh? Really? Is that what it is? Well, it is what it is and ain't what it ain't. Don't make it what it isn't. You can't look at one video and think you know the whole truth. Can, can I help you out? That's why there's four gospels. Can I make it real plain for you? Okay, let me just break this thing down for you. That's why there's four gospels. Four people wrote from four different vantage points. The reason the four Gospels don't say the same thing exactly the same way is because they were writing from their vantage point. All right, let me see if I can uh, make this uh, real for you. Let me uh, give you a natural example of a spiritual reality. I'm on one corner. Pastor Tim is on another corner. Takita is on another corner. My bride is on another corner. It's four corners. We all see the same accident. When the police officer asked, what did we see? I can only say what I saw from my vantage point. There may have been something on the other side of that accident that I didn't see, but maybe Takeda saw it. So Takeda fills out her report and vice versa for Pastor Tim and Pastor Elaine. Now, when they read those four reports, they're not going to be exactly the same. See, this is why the Gospels can be authenticated, because they didn't get together and say the exact same thing. They didn't, they didn't come together and connive to put the gospel message together. They spoke from their vantage point. Now, that's just four people at one accident, and we got one or two videos. We don't know all of the truth. All I know is somebody didn't go home. All I know is we got too many people dying in the streets. All I know is we got too many cops being killed. We got too many civilians being killed, saints of God. That's all I know. I'm not going to rant about blacks or whites. I don't I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. So I'm not you're not going to you're not going to pull me into some racist conversation right? I'm not going to allow you to do that. If anything, I'm going to pull you into the kingdom of God, but you're not going to pull me into the kingdom of darkness. Amen? And so, listen, I know that there are systemic problems in the world. There have been systemic problems in the world from the day Adam ate of the forbidden fruit. It's not going to change just because we're talking about it. We must be about it. We got to provoke change. We got to stop being quiet as Christians. We're going to have to stand up for God. We're going to have to stand up for Jesus. We're going to have to stand up for righteousness. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. Are you understanding what I'm saying today? Let me make this transition so you can go home. We read in Luke chapter 21, Jesus gave uh, an, 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 a really emphatic announcement to his disciples. And he told them to take heed. In other words, he said, stay awake. And on fire. So don't let your mind and your spirit to get dulled by having a careless and cavalier attitude about what's going on in the world today. Because you can hear stuff so much that you begin to get lulled into sleepness. You will start to sleep on stuff when God says, stay awake and stay on fire. Listen, I know there's stuff You've been bombarded on social media, you've been on, bombarded on news, and every, every time you turn the TV on, it's some, it's dark, it's dark, it's dark. Do you realize that the news will go out of business if they c- continue to talk about stuff that's good? That's right. That's right. <laughs> they have to purport darkness. Why? Because the news media is run by darkness. <laughs> Hello. He, he's the prince of the power of the air, the airways. It's always going to be negative. And that's why they'll lose ratings if they keep talking about good stuff. But that's the stuff we need to talk about as saints of God. When people on your job want to come in. Did you hear the news? No. Did you read the word? What did you find in the Bible last night? Did you read it? Let me, let me share something with you. I already know what's in the news. You don't have to tell me what's in the news, but I want to know what's in the Bible for me. What does God have for me? What does God have for you? What does God have for your family? What does God have for your finances? While you sitting talking bad and ranting about stuff, you're still jacked up in your finances. I know this is tight. What is truth? Amen. So we move over to Matthew's gospel. The time had come for Jesus to pay the ultimate price of salvation. According to the previous verses. if you go back and read the previous verses, I didn't have time. That was also when the, uh, most of his disciples left him. If you go back and read the Bible, this was pretty much after he fed the 5,000. Come on now. It was probably more about 15 to 20,000 because it was 5,000 men. Jesus fed their bellies. But when Jesus tried to feed their spirits, they rejected it because they were there to get their bellies full. See, there are times when people come to church just to get their bellies full. They don't want you to talk about their lifestyle. They don't want you to talk about holiness and right. I don't know why you're talking about that kind of stuff, Pastor. That's old school. huh? That's fire and brimstone kind of stuff right there, Pastor. you trying to legislate the way I live? Come on, pastor, I'm supposed to come in and be as I am and stay as I am. You're supposed to affirm me in my sin. Oh, that's not how it works. So the 5,000, when Jesus began to talk about communion, he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. He wasn't talking about being a cannibal. He was talking about, listen, he, he was talking about this is the spiritual thing that you need to do. You need to eat my word and you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and you need to apply the blood, my blood upon your life without the without the shedding of blood. There will be no remission of sin. So Jesus was trying to take them from a natural mindset to understanding how to walk in the spirit. And they said, oh, Jesus, this is a hard teaching. And the Bible said they followed him no more. Uh, how, 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 how would it be that 15000 people get up and walk out of your church at one time? That's what happened to Jesus. I wonder how many Jesus went running to. Please don't leave. Don't leave. (laughs) Come back. Come back. I'll preach a softer message. I'll water it down. You can live like you want to. Did Jesus do that? Jesus turned his back on him to the 12 and said, you going to leave me also? Because if you're going to bounce, you might as well step right now. See, some, some people, they're just like leaves. See, leaves fall when the seasons change. Ooh, boy! See, see, I, I, I do better with limb relationships, not leave relationships. Oh, come on, somebody. See, the limbs will stay, and no matter how many leaves fall, the limbs are still there for more fruit. Come on, somebody. And so you need to discern between your leaf relationship and your limb relationship. Because your limb relationships come hell or high water, they're going to be right there with you. This was the time where Jesus needed them most, and they walked away from him. Jesus knew it was getting ready to get hard for me. So I got to take you from the natural to the spiritual. And when he tried to take a person from the natural to the spiritual, it's kind of hard, thanks to God. I'm telling you, I'm a pastor. I know what I'm talking about. When you're trying to get people to go to a whole new level, that's when you, you start running into some pride and arrogance and, and, and I know it all attitude. There's a lot of people come to church think they know everything. They know more than the pastor. Well, if that's the case, why aren't you pastoring and I'm coming to your church? See, I put them in that place real good. You don't know everything because I don't know everything. But one thing I do know, God called me to this position. And if you know all of that, who's following you? How many people are following you other than your family and two or three other people? Oh, yeah, I'm going to make it real, real for you because you better know you called by God. And see, I know I could have been just fat and happy. An elder in a church doing nothing. But God called us to another level, right? And so so listen, listen, listen to me close. There's more for us to do, saints of God. So Jesus needed them at the most critical time. He was at the place called Gethsemane. See, the Greek word for Gethsemane means the place of the press. That means that there was a place of pressure. Um, Jesus began to, for the first time since, the weightiness of his decision. Uh, Sometimes when you have to make some real destiny decisions, it's not like these little small decisions that we make. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he went with the disciples, dropped them off, and took three with him dropped them off, and the Bible says he went off a little bit further by himself. I came to tell somebody this morning, everybody can't go to that prayer place with you. You're going to have to go a little bit further. You're going to have to go a little bit further in your prayer life. You're going to have to go a little bit further in your worship life. You're going to have to go a little bit further in your study life. You're going to have to go a little bit further in your reading the Word of God. You're going to have to go a little bit further in forgiving people. You're going to have to go a little bit further to get that pride out of your life. You're (laughs) going to have to go a little bit further to get that arrogance out of your life. You're going to have to go a little bit further to get that hatred out of your life. You're going to have to go a little bit further to get that racism out of your life. You're going to have to go a little bit further to get that depression out of your life. Hallelujah. Everybody can go to that place with you, but you need to be in that place by yourself and God. Yeah. And Jesus, he went through this process called her where the Bible says that his blood broke into his sweat capillaries when the Bible said he, he sweat great drops of blood. That means that his body was under so much pressure. The pressure of my sins, John Lofton's sins, compressed into his body and the sins of the whole world. Jesus needed them most. But when he came back, they were asleep. I came to tell somebody in this room don't go to sleep on Jesus. Don't fall asleep on Christ. Don't fall asleep on this church. Don't fall asleep on your family. Don't fall asleep on your loved ones. Don't fall asleep on your community. Don't fall asleep on your race. Don't fall asleep on this nation. Don't fall asleep on people who don't know God. Stay awake and stay on fire. Jesus came and he chastised them. He said, you could not stay awake for one hour. Stay awake. And stay on fire. How are they going to stay on fire? Prayer. That's why he said, watch. See, a dying church is a prayerless church. Because we're not watching. And when you're not watching and when you're not praying, you get complacent. You get sleepy. You get dull. You're not relevant anymore. Maybe that's where we are today. But Jesus says we need to watch and pray. In other words, stay awake and stay on fire. Last little story, and then I'm going to give you some scripture. Sometimes life has a way of just (laughs) punching you in the stomach. Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, you you, you can do all that stuff. You can pray, you can watch, you can go to church, you can tithe, you can do all that stuff, but that does not exempt you from life. You just, you just tooting along and man, everything is good and hey, hallelujah. And then boom, something hits and you go, what is this? Why is this happening right now? What is going on? See, I call it a pothole. See, my book is going to be out mid-November. We're, we're, it's with my publisher right now, and I'm so excited. Because one of the chapters in my book is called Potholes in the Road. See, we all come across these potholes. And see, when you hit a pothole in your car, you, you got that, what I call in my book, that mysterious pause. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You, you hit that pothole, you go, mm. And if you're like me, I'm talking to my car. I'm like, are you all right? <laughs> you're not out of balance, are you? <laughs> did I knock you out of alignment? Are you good? Because you're thinking, did I get a flat? I'm, I'm, t- I'm not talking about a little hole. I'm talking about a pothole. And when you hit a pothole, it, it, it jars you, right? Uh-huh. See, life is like that. Sometimes life can hit you with a pothole. You wake up one morning, and then your husband or your wife say, I'm out of here. That's a pothole. See, I'm not talking about a little hole you just run. I'm talking about a pothole. A pothole would make you pause and go... Mm, See, a pothole is you tooting along, and then you go to the doctor's office, and the doctor says you have an aggressive form of cancer like me. That was a pothole. That wasn't some little hole I can just run over. That was a pothole. See, we all encounter these potholes in life. But it's not what you go through. It's how you go through it. There was this little boy. He was fishing. He was on the shore. It was cold that particular morning. And as he was fishing, the rocks were slippery, and he slipped and fell into the water, and the water was cold, and the wind was blowing, and, and he fought and fought and fought, and he finally got back to the shore. He was trembling, and he was wet. He was cold. He was like, wow, man, that, that I'm so glad I'm back on the shore. And then this old man comes up to him and said, how did you find your, come to find yourself in the water? And the little boy said, I, I didn't come to find myself in the water. I came to fish. And I fell in the water. So sometimes people can see something and they think that's what you wanted to do. But it's not what you wanted to do. You came to do something different. So what I'm saying is you might need to change your perspective. Because just because what you saw might not be what he wanted to do. He came to fish, not to fall in the water. Sometimes you're just tuning along in life and life just hits you. You slip. And as a church, we should have enough patience with people to say, hey, you can make it. You can get through this. I got your back. I'm not going to dog you out while you're down. I want to pick you up. Come on, saints of God. Can we be that kind of church? Glory to God. Don't fall asleep. The devil is roaming around to see whom he may devour. So let me talk a little bit about persecution, and I'm done. Write this down right here. The level of the fire you face will determine the level of your maturity and the depth of your anointing. See, what I want you to understand is you will go through things. You are not exempt, saints. But I want to leave you with a blessing today. Because the level of the fire that you face will determine the level of your maturity and the depth of your anointing. So let me let me share this with you. It takes 150 degrees to make tin. It takes 500 degrees to make brass. It takes 1130 degrees to make silver. And it takes 1400 degrees to make gold. The more precious the metal, the higher the temperature is needed before it's pure. Let me me just stand on that for a second. Uh, Are you seeing this? So so what you should be asking yourself today, do you have a tin anointing or a gold anointing? (laughs) So so in other words, are you a tin Christian or a gold Christian? Because if you're a gold Christian, you should know how to handle the fight. And you can't be a gold Christian without going through the... Come on, somebody. Everybody has a crucible that we're going to go through. But the crucible is to purify you, not to kill you. It's to change you. It's to clean you. It's to crucify the flesh. We got to go through that purification process. or we can't be promoted. Let me say that one more time. If we're not going to be purified through the process, you're not going to be ready for promotion. What we're going through in our nation is purification. We got to go through this crucible. But I'm a gold Christian. You know what I say? Bring it on, God. Bring it on. Because I need to be purified. I need to know, am I real in this thing? Or am I I just playing pastor? Am I just playing church? Or do I really have a relationship with God? Do I just want to look good in front of the people and not be good at home? Because if you're not privately, listen to me close, if you're not privately devout, then you can't be publicly powerful. Amen. Amen. And what you do in your private life, it's going to come out before long. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For the Bible says, be sure that your sins will be found out. You may, you may do some stuff privately for a while, but it will come out in the end. Hello, somebody. So we're talking about purification. So I came this morning to talk about purification. Here are the last two scriptures, and we're done, and we're going to pray. Moses came to the people of God, and he said this. He said, do not fear. And he was talking about the thunderings and the fire over that Exodus 20. For God has come to test you, and that his fear, notice two fears. He said, don't fear the thunderings and the fire, because the thunderings and the fire was the manifest presence of God. That was what was coming down to purify them. They ran back to the camp five miles because they didn't want to talk with God. As a matter of fact, they said, Moses, you talk with God for us. That's how it is today. You have saints in the house. Well, well, Pastor, I don't really want to study the word myself. How about you go study the word and you give it to me? I'm not Moses. I'm John Lofton. (laughs) Because all of us are going to have to go through the test. Check this out. He says, and that his fear, the fear of displeasing him, that's the fear of the Lord, may be before you, check this out, so that you may Not sin. The reason we should fear God is because, God, I do not want to displease you. See, when I preach, I want to make sure that I'm preaching a word that's pleasing to God. Because I fear him. But it's a reverent fear that I do not want to displease God. I want to make sure that God is happy with what I'm doing. I want to make sure that I can bring joy to God. Come on, saints of God, don't you? The things that you do and the people that you help, come on, you want to bring joy to God. You don't want to displease him. You don't want to live wrong. You you want to bring God joy. Come on, somebody. And listen, when God takes us through persecution, all he's trying to do is purify us. Don't run from the persecution. Don't run from the crucible. Stay right there in it and say, God, whatever is in me that don't represent you, God, please get it out of me right now, God. I don't want to be the same person. I don't want to act the same. I don't want to behave the same. I want to be just like you, God. I want to be in your very image, Father. Please, God, don't let me defy what you want me to do in my life. Please don't let me reject the anointing that you want to place on my life. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun. The Bible says, turn your back on evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Let me tell you something, saints. One of the things that's, that we got to get right in the church is we got to restore the fear of the Lord. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm afraid that we we have raised up too many 10 Christians. And uh, there's... there's There's no more reverence for God. No more fear. And because of that, some of us have fallen asleep. And the Lord brought me here today to say, stay awake and stay on fire. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.